You're listening to a Sin Media podcast. Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land, the House of Sin, and studios stand the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. So I'm going to start you off with some flattery, but first I'll welcome everyone back to Culture Cult for 2020. Um, it's just Bex here today. Uh, Maria will be joining us in future episodes. This is um, not only our first guest, very special guest of 2020, but it's also our first podcast episode in isolation. So it's really nice to be able to connect with new people, new friends, and welcome back our old friends of the cult. So without further ado, I really want to introduce to you Nadine Lebdi, who is a young Australian Lebanese, awesome young lady from Western Sydney. Um, I'm talking from Melbourne in my makeshift studio bedroom. So welcome Nadine. Hi, it's a pleasure to be on here. Pleasure to meet you. It is a massive pleasure to to welcome you here. And um, <laughs> I promised a bit of flattery before we begin. <laughs> Always the best way to start, isn't it? <laughs> so when I was explaining to Maria, um, who are we interviewing for the show today? I was like, well, I got in contact, got in contact. I pestered Nadine <laughs> over Instagram. <laughs> was no pestering at all. I promised you. I promised you. And um, uh, the first thing that I noticed about Nadine was that her research work was published in a British medical journal, so which was so impressive to begin with. And congratulations, first up on that. Thank you so much. It was amazing. I'm really, really lucky and blessed. And you're such a hard worker as well because then we dug a little deeper. And um, I also found out that you do some creative writing as well. And you're also, uh, you also have an honours degree because it wasn't so impressive enough. Um, you had the research academic field, you had the writing creative field, and you also have the science field because you have your honours degree in physiotherapy. Just casually. I just had to tack it all in there, didn't I? Great. Like, what a, what a triple threat. Um, we love it. First we love that. seeing um, young people achieve their dreams and really giving back to community in so many different ways through science, through education research and through the creative spheres as well. So I guess we have a lot to, to tackle in our conversation today, <laughs> Let's Nadine. Do Let's do it. Feel free to unpack me. Ask the yeah, I guess I want to know, because you do have so many diverse interests and it's probably safe to say you're a bit of a nerd like us. <laughs> Big time. I mean, look, I can safely say I'm a nerd across many fields. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we, we're self-professed um, nerds as well. Oh, and time. I think it was something that was used against us for so long. Oh, when you're a kid, it's not cool to be a nerd. But when you're older, you're like... You own it. You absolutely own it when you get older. When you're a kid, it's almost like an insult. But when you get older, it's it's amazing. You're like, I'm going to own this. I'm going to work this. It's great. It's very empowering. <laughs> it is, absolutely. Did you have a first love? Like, was it science? Was it writing? Was it education? Um, good question. Look, I and anyone else will tell you my first love was always, like, creative writing. 
even before science came along and everything, I was always just like when I was a kid, I would read everything, anything like so much. I would be borrowing like six books a week from the library um, and going through them. I would be, and mum also had this thing when we were really little, where she would actually make us write a one page story every single day. So the reading, the writing, and mum herself was very literary and very creative. So that kind of like, you know, passed along and she, tried, she kind of transferred that along. And so I feel like having that done since I was a kid um, and also just me naturally being just very inquisitive and just very like I had such a huge imagination so I would love to play on like my own sometimes or with friends and, like create my own little imaginary kind of worlds and stuff like that was very much like that when I was a kid I don't know I guess it came from mum as well but yeah I used to write um, short stories and everything when I was very very young can't even remember when I started but it's been ongoing um, and I would, there was this one point in my life where I was in primary and I wrote like this 99 page story. Like I would write a page every day. Yeah. Like it was, I'm not saying it was any good. <laughs> it was probably not fantastic, but you know, I would just write all the time. And I think though, what happened was in high school, it got a little bit lost because I got into the science. So that's when science came along and the academics sort of took over. And that was the main focus. Cause obviously, you know, you want to do well and you know, you want to in year 12, get a really high ATAR and get into a good kind of um, course. So for me, the focus was it shifted from like standard creative writing to academics a little bit more. And that's where science came in. And so the writing got a little bit lost um, and I wasn't doing it as much like for my own kind of pleasure. It was more so for literally just for English class. Um, but it's always been writing for me, number one. Um, yeah, it's been definitely my first love. Yeah, it's our priority, priorities kind of shift as we get older. And I think the saddest part about growing up can be we lose that just playfulness and silliness and we lose that imaginativeness, not because we don't have it in us anymore. It's because, I don't know, I feel like there comes a time where, you know, you put down your toys and you stop playing games with others and you kind of have to grow up and study becomes more of a focus. Exactly, exactly. You just kind of have to see, you just kind of sort of snap out of it and um, other things, like other adult things, you know, they take um, precedence over over what you used to love and what you used to enjoy. So like, about over six years passed where I barely wrote anything for myself. Like, you know, it wasn't until after I graduated physio that I actually literally sat down and put pen to paper and I started working on my very first ever piece that I submitted. Like that was the absolute first time. So it had been years before um, I actually worked on the writing um, because of the focus on the science. Besides missing that creative spark was there anything that brought you back to creative writing after your formal kind of education yeah um look um a couple of things I mean I myself um actually just really really missed it I felt like and the thing with my degree so basically as much as I love science as much as I love health what happened was in the first year of my degree I actually kind of was going through a little bit of an identity crisis in that, you know, I, I love science, but at the same time, I felt a little bit distant from myself, a little bit far away from myself, because I felt like a part of me wasn't being fulfilled. And I felt like a part of me was missing because writing, like I said, first love, I'd done that since I was a kid. It was all I knew. It was my kind of preferred mode of communication. And it was just every, like everything I did was through writing. And I felt like I was far away from myself. And as much as I enjoyed the course, something just, there was a gap there. 
Um, and so what happened in my first year actually, funnily enough, was that I um, jumped on and I applied for creative courses to transfer. Actually, in my mind, thought I was going to transfer out of physio. Not that I didn't love it, but um, I just felt like, again, creative, I really wanted to explore the creative fields because I felt like that was more me. Um, and everyone would always say that to me, like, oh, I don't see you, you know, stay, like, I don't see you as a physio. I see you as a a writer it's like a, it's a lot of potential there and I, I don't know what you're why you're like kind of like pushing it to the side so I applied for um, writing courses journalism I applied for screenwriting courses and stuff like that and I got into one of them I think it was at UNSW a screenwriting course uh, a double degree with I think law um, I got into it but I kind of like and I was tossing up oh should I should I leave what I have here and and go and explore the creative field or should I stay and um so I was very very torn because I missed it um but I ended up um staying where I was because I thought look physio is great I'm very passionate about health and at the same time it's a really great kind of career um it's very it's a great bouncing board and as artists we need something stable we need something readily employable um and I thought let me be safe with what I want to do first and then I can explore the arts afterwards after I'm done um, but at the same time still fulfill the science side that, that's a really interesting journey like to come yeah. back to that point and I think you raise a really good point that I always say this this sort of philosophical thing that dichotomies don't exist like we're not black and white people we don't have to put ourselves into one category like I'm an arts person I'm a science person I'm a mathematics person we're multifaceted and there's many parts to us yeah absolutely like I always say that too I mean um I always say you know I'm a physio and a writer you know and, and I and I, like, I strongly believe that we should like have more than one thing kind of filling our life it's really nice to have a little bit of diversity and I always kind of I don't know I guess sometimes we grow up feeling like we just have to be one thing and we have to just be defined by one thing but I really like love as I'm getting older that I realize that we can be more than just one thing I can have an identity that encapsulates two or three things you know so I think that's something you realize as you grow older as well. Identity is is a big topic or theme that we've we sort of explore, we often come back to on Culture Cult. And I'm wondering if I can take it back to, because I know in one of your creative nonfiction works, um, Arab Australian Other, which was published just last year in 2019, I wonder if that uh, divisiveness and that um, feeling like you need to be one or the other and maybe exploring different parts of yourself sort of relates back to cultural identity as well for you. Yeah, I mean, look, when I was writing that piece, um, I was very much like, I think I hit my midlife crisis very early in life. Got it out of the way, um, Yeah, yeah, got it overdone with, hey, I'm still going, kind of, but um, <laughs> um, it's a very long one. But, um, yeah, no, when I wrote that piece, I was very much torn um, between, you know, feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm very proud to be Aussie, I'm very proud to be from this country, because I'd only ever had positive experiences as a Lebanese Australian, um, whereas I know people have had more negative experiences, and as a result, that's kind of shifted the way they view their identity, and so they won't even identify as an Australian, they'll identify, it even comes down to the, the way you order the hyphenation, totally like say I'm Lebanese. Yeah. Yeah. So I really think that it comes down to subtle things like that, your experiences. But I only ever had really positive experiences in Australia. So I loved Australia. Um, so I'd always say I'm Australian first. It's how my parents kind of raised yeah. me. You know, we're very grateful. Um, so Australian Lebanese. But you know, as I grew older, it was it was less so kind of like for me, it was less so about like um being Lebanese and, and being torn between Aussie versus Lebanese. I always loved having a blend of both. 
um, it was more so my piece sort of touches more on, um, I guess, religion and how um, an othering, I guess, in, in our society and how um, it was really hard for me to um, like coming from, so basically my parents were very like non they were non-practicing Muslims and um, coming from that background, it was very difficult to, I kind of feel afraid to identify or I feel afraid to confess, oh, this is what I am because of the judgment that came with it. I automatically would get the label packed onto my head and words associated with me. Yeah, that made it really, really difficult. I think a lot of those experiences that you've summarised just in those brief few minutes would be relatable to a lot of the audience and I think ultimately what it comes down to is um, if you're happy within yourself and you everyone should be proud of their own culture no matter what it is. Absolutely absolutely and the thing is yeah it's it's all about I guess um, loving yourself first and foremost and um, I think it's um, it was really difficult journey because you know having people external people telling you certain things about your community about who they think you are so many voices yeah it can honestly shift um, what you think of yourself um, as well so I even started to believe some of the things that people would tell me you know I'd be like oh maybe I do fall under this category maybe my people are actually like this and what really bothers me is. is I guess this homogenization that happens when people kind of like try to homogenize a community and I always felt like I was very different it's the beauty of of religion is that it's such a big spectrum in that you have a lot you can go from very very ultra conservative to very very liberal and non-practicing and that kind of thing and I feel like people don't have that level of understanding um, that you can be on very different levels of the spectrum um, and they're not all the same Um, and I feel like that came that really I had to really explore that growing up and who I was what, where I was on the spectrum um, and how to respond to people's critiques and comments, I think, that was huge. And that's what my piece kind of draws in on. I think it's so relatable. There can be so many voices and so many points of influence, especially as when you're going through that adolescent journey. And, like, I admittedly, like, I don't think I totally got around my cultural identity until late teens, even, like, mid-uni, and it's only through exploring projects like this podcast and becoming more politically aware, socially aware, just growing up really. I think these stages people go through becoming more educated, um, tackling concepts that you might not have had the mindset to do so as a really young person. Um, I think it's all a formative experience and it's this whole thing about not feeling like whatever your culture is, like in our case it's Lebanese, not feeling Lebanese enough or Australian enough. I've really tackled this idea over the past few years and especially going back um, as well. It's um, it's always been on my mind. But I think young people especially, they shouldn't try and have this worry about it. I think you should work to being exploring what you like, your interests, Um, exploring many aspects of culture and like you said it's a spectrum just like a lot of things love there's different types of love sexuality is on a spectrum learning is on a spectrum so we shouldn't try and put ourselves into these neat little you know folders or boxes absolutely like I always say I don't like to be pigeonholed like I don't I feel that you can pigeonhole me into one particular um 
in one particular kind of area, whether that be religiously, culturally, and you know, it even got to a point where I kind of like, and most recently I started identifying as uh, like an Abrahamic who basically believes in all Abrahamic faiths. Like I believe that they're all beautiful in their own ways, um, sort of thing. I think that I can't really be pigeonholed to just one thing because I believe in so many different things, and I believe in the beauty and I guess authenticity and truth in a lot of different um, aspects. Um, so it's really hard to just say, oh, I'm just this or I'm just that. You know, I've always been a bit of kind of everything, I think. And that 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 piece really kind of captured um, that confusion. And even, and it was funny because even as I was growing up, my parents were very, as political as they were, they actually left us out of politics. They didn't talk to us about politics. They didn't want to involve us in any of that stuff. They would tell us, you know, we don't want you to, to go out there and, and um, start issues and conflicts with people about politics because it's a huge we know as Lebanese people that politics and especially we know girl we know yes we feel it huh we feel it sister so like we know it's such a huge it causes a lot of problems and it causes a lot of divides so my parents were very much like you know we don't want you involved in this and we had very minimal information about you know um that sort of aspect of, of being Lebanese and so I actually grew up not even knowing what my denomination was until I was in high school um, because my parents were like, look, you're just this. It doesn't matter, you know, like you shouldn't, you know what I mean? Like we're all the same at the end of the day. Why, why does it matter? So I didn't even know that. Um, and I didn't even know what ISIS was until I think high school, like um, later in high school as well. Like um, when someone first asked me something about ISIS, I thought they were talking about the birth. Yeah. Like I didn't know that they were talking. I literally, or IBIS, like I didn't know what they were talking about. And I didn't know anything about the violence or the political situation or anything at all because I was very much kept out of the loop. Um, and I feel like a part of that was protective from my parents, um, but also because they wanted me to just, you know, um, just be the person that I am without worrying about how my community is portrayed. Yeah, and they probably wanted you um, to build up yourself and just be Nadine and the Nadine that they obviously loved and the Nadine that liked to explore <laughs> all these different um, aspects, which maybe if you look back, maybe like you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that if they caught you up in politics and I don't really know too many really, really young teenagers that would have a strong grasp on, you know, the, your Middle Eastern conflicts or world politics. Like these are very broad, <laughs> heavy topics. Yeah, you'd be surprised. There are so many out there that know a lot and they actually fight a lot about it and argue a lot about it. And, like, you know, we just, we never, we, we're not the kind of the family that would, that sits there and argues with people about these sorts of things. We'd rather talk about things that are more meaningful you know, and not argue about things that we can't really change, that are out of our control. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm just seeing where to take it next because I feel like I could talk to you like all day about so many There's things. so much to say. Honestly, there's a, there's a lot to say, truly. Um, but that's the beauty of, you know, having someone who kind of can relate about your cultural experience. Yeah, I think everyone has different experiences, but there's an instant connection or I feel like I'm on a level playing field when I can speak to yeah. someone like you um, because we do have shared experiences. There was just even a really yeah. simple, um, really beautiful illustration that I saw on um, Instagram. I will credit in the credits when I find the name of the artist. But it was just this little illustration of the margarine tub and I was like, the margarine tub? And instantly I knew what that was and the the simple caption was, everyone has a story about the margarine tab. Every diaspora has a story about this. Whether the margarine tab um, has, when you open it up, does it have rice? Does it have a particular dish that your mum or your grandparents made you? And it was just a universally, like, related object. 
And I was like, how yeah. does everyone clicking on this image just know? I've never met these people. Yeah. They're clicking on it from all around the world. How do they all, how did, did every grandparent like team up? They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter <laughs> then. How did they know just to reuse the margarine tub for food containers? It's crazy. I just feel like there's things that we all just understand. Like you don't, it's an unspoken language. Like you don't even need to explain yourself. You don't need to, there doesn't even have to be a dialogue. You just look at something and you just know, or you just hear something and just know. Like that's why a lot of us listen to music that isn't even of our language because there's something there that you can just, you know what I mean? Like um, you don't need to understand the language or the method of communication. You just, you just know. That's so true. You know, you just. On culture calls, so like be- especially Maria, um, she's very into Eurovision and that's something I didn't know a whole lot about but then all of a sudden we were listening to like Swedish music and um, all these different European languages and it was just cool like you could just vibe with the music because it is something you can relate to so sad on the podcast we can't do a full playlist but maybe we'll have to kick off our Spotify playlist again and get some of your suggestions on it as well Oh, honestly, I have the most random mix. Like, I'll, I'll have Swedish, I'll have Lebanese, I'll have Egyptian, like, I'll have everything, um, Spanish, a whole mixture of everything. Like you said, it's what you vibe with. I mean, it doesn't have to be something you understand. You know, I'm singing along to lyrics. I have no idea. Like, I, I could be you cursing. You could be cursing. Hopefully yeah, not. I have no idea. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully it's like PG, but um, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's just it just feels great and it's an, an awesome kind of beat. I think that things like music, food, they can be really good levelers um, when we're trying to open mm-hmm. up people to our culture in a friendly and welcoming mm-hmm. way. It can be really hard mm-hmm. to share aspects of culture with other people and we don't want to exclude them, but it can be a really nice way to bring mm-hmm. them in. They could be the, the gateway. Yeah, yeah, and like I like to say that they're like social lubricants, you know. <laughs> like honestly, it just um, it just makes it so much easier. There's nothing better than food to break the ice, you know, and things like that. You can all we all love our tummies, and um, you know, things like that can bring people together. Um, I think they're really great. Hopefully, these are some experiences we can share, even in in isolation. We can always share music. We can share recipes. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask, bringing it to the now, like we've kind of gone back a bit um how are you spending your very strange time that we find ourselves in (laughs) and do you have any projects that are coming up next or just any um personal goals that you want to work towards yeah so um look there's a lot in the mix at the moment so um it kind of there's I'm definitely working on the writing a lot more so and I've been very lucky in that I've had a lot of opportunities kind of come one after the other so um at the moment I actually just got um awarded a position in this program called Westwards Academy Congratulations. um so yeah it's amazing and basically Westwards is um it's sort of a company in Western Sydney that um really helps with I guess increasing visibility and connections in um our community and it's very needs based so um i guess it's all about you know giving um artists that are of a culturally diverse background a voice and really allowing them to tell their stories and um it kind of they run programs that help with training and um you know workshop facilitation and just really um helping artists from you know culturally diverse backgrounds um i guess um increase their skills when it comes to literacy and writing so I got awarded a position in this program which is absolutely incredible I think I'm one of seven 
Um, and basically what we're going to be doing is it's a one year sort of mentorship training program. And what happens is that every month we um, kind of participate in a workshop um, that involves um, kind of training us uh, in a field of in the field of writing really. And every month um, there's a workshop that's completely different. So we'll get workshops on like pitching and marketing, um, you know, how to publish, how to, you know, get an agent, um, things like, you know, shadowing facilitators and not just, and like actually teaching the art of writing, not just being able to write yourself, but how to teach um, and then be a workshop facilitator. Um, you know, we'll be learning about things like um, admin and promoting yourself through social media and, and the business side of writing as well. Um, and even the legal side as well. So copyright, how not to lose your rights for your work if you send it to a publisher and that kind of thing. And, um, and I guess collaborative writing, so how to work with an editor, how to work with a publisher, um, and as well um, tour planning. So if we wanted to do book tours, you know, how do we go about doing that? So it was really it was awesome because it was a chance to look at the business side of writing as well, which I just know, I know very little about that, the legal side and the business side. So this one year program is also going to give me a chance to kind of really, I guess, um, hone in on all the bits and pieces of writing and how to, how to become a really, you know, obviously um, well-informed writer. And um, we're really lucky in that we'll also get paired with, a, we'll get a one-on-one -on -one sort of mentorship as well so they'll kind of um, do an interview with us and find out you know what are our goals what are our dreams what do we want to write about that kind of thing and pair us with someone who has that experience um, and who can kind of help with advancing our career networking that sort of thing so um, I just yeah I just got started with that program um, and I think we had our first video call a couple of weeks ago and going from there so it's super exciting um, and then I'm also finishing off um, reviews so basically I was part of this program I don't know if you've heard of sweatshop um it's basically a literacy movement um Western Sydney literacy movement that's all about empowerment again um people of color culturally diverse writers and artists um and all about kind of giving them a voice and letting them tell their stories regardless of whether or not those stories might be grammatically perfect or you know um and, and it's fantastic so I'm basically part of the um women's collective um and also I got a position in um their program which uh, basically collaborated with Diversity Arts Australia and um, actually involved um, a sort of mentorship program which was basically um, called Storycasters um, and what that involves is you being trained um, to be a critical kind of thinker and a critical writer so basically what we would do would we kind of um, go on assignments um, and spotlight culturally and linguistic um, you know um, diverse artists and you know, workshops and projects all around um, New South Wales. And um, we kind of write reviews about events that we go to. Um, can you still hear me? <laughs> yes, perfect. Yeah, so we'd spotlight events and we'd go, we'd go and um, cover an event and we'd write a review. So we were tasked with writing two reviews um, as part of the program. It was my first ever gig as like a writer, my first ever like paid gig. So um, basically, yeah, it was, it was training to basically be a reviewer. And so I'm working right now on finishing um, those two reviews up for publication. I actually got a contract. Um, I've actually got a contract for one um, magazine, uh, Running Dog, to publish my piece. So hopefully getting that done um, and working on those two at the moment. It sounds like you will definitely not be a person who's bored in this isolation period. Is that sort of <laughs> there's so much to do. Honestly, there's so much to do. There's so much to get there's done. There's always something. Uh, there's always a, a different thing to learn or a new skill that you want to really 
focusing on or finesse a professional kind of practice, which is awesome to hear. Yeah, and like I'm all about like very much like making productive use of my time. Like I always want to be doing something productive with my time. I'm not the kind of person who would just sit around and do nothing, even though it's fun. You know, like um, I just like doing things that I think are gonna, you know, like because I'm like very like I like to be stimulated, so I always like doing. Something and it can be things. fun for five minutes to do nothing, but yeah, I think we're very exactly. much two people of the mindset of go go go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, stop my parents are like can you just like stop and take a break like a second like just stop it um like my parents are encouraging me to just like you know but I'm like I'm enjoying this it is is it like it is kind of chill for me um to other people it might not look like it but yeah this is kind of like what I do in my downtime so it's it's really awesome yeah and just like and I had to for that review I had to go and 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 um check out an incredible um uh an art exhibit um, for Indigenous and First Nations people. It was an incredible opportunity, pre-corona times, obviously. Good old days. Like, it was the last, yeah, good old days. Back in the day, it was the last thing I could do before our restrictions started. But it was incredible. So I've been working on those and I've been, like, keeping up with um, meetings and things as well because um, I'm a member of the Youth Council for my uh, health district as well. So I um, we're doing online-based meetings now every month, so I'm also helping out with that. We just, it's amazing. We get to discuss kind of, um the youth side of health and the youth's needs um which is incredible so those sorts of things definitely keep me busy. fantastic I guess always switching it up as well would would um alleviate that boredom as well because you can switch between those different mindsets um yeah I guess um what I wanted to ask just to wrap this together nicely would is there a centralized place where we can keep in touch with you and and keep um, on track with your work we'll obviously put some links in the description box on the podcast as well yeah um look you can always follow me on instagram <laughs> i'm always putting in what i'm working on or if i've published anything or if i've um if i'm part of something i'll always share what i'm doing like on the regular on social media um instagram is really the best place um and also just i guess um, I put a lot of what I'm working on and my experiences on LinkedIn as well, um, which I can share the link with you as well. It's super easy typing in the ding that right there. Um, but I think for me, those are the two mains. Um, definitely like Instagram. I'm always kind of on the go. Um, I always update people on like where I'm going, what I'm seeing. Is there a new arts exhibit that I'm checking out um, that's super funky and different? Um, is there something I'm writing? Um, is there something like you know, that I'm volunteering at, um, always updating um, on social media. Fantastic. Well, so now you're officially inducted into the cult. Welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the fam. Um, please go and tell your parents that today you joined the cult. That would be very, I would love to say that. I did. I told Mama Lebdi, she was really excited about it. She was like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> She's like, that's my baby. <laughs> great, great job, supported parents. Uh, isn't it? It's, it's the best. It's the best. This is The Coach Cult and thanks for listening. You can keep up with all of Nadine's professional work via the links below. The Margarine Tub story and artwork referenced in this episode is from amalaya.com via Instagram. And the music you heard is International Promenade via Free Music Archive. We hope that you can catch up in isolation on some previous episodes you might have missed. And thanks for supporting the show. You can keep up with myself, Bex and Maria via our socials, which are also included in the links below. We hope everyone is taking care, keeping safe, happy and well during this time.